old building entirely just crushed and crumbled. I'm not sure if it's safe to report from my vantage point. I I really need to leave. So the fences informed me that the surrounding areas are, are in ruin. I I see some people running now. And the opinion of this reporter, if this nation or in fact the world ever needed heroes, that time is now. That time is now. Shrine.com and FirestormFan.com. I'm your host, the Irredeemable Shag from Firestorm Fan, and uh, there's some other guy on the line. I don't even remember his name. <laughs> and my name is Chad Bokelman. Ah! Oh, you had to do that. You had to rub salt in the wound. That's why I'm pissed off, Rob Kelly. Is I turn my back to go on vacation with my family. For my six-year-old daughter, I took her to Disney World. What a six-year-old kid wants to do. And I turn around and come back, and you've got freaking Chad Bokelman sitting in my chair. <laughs> do you know what he left in my cup holder armrest? It's disgusting. <laughs> I mean, you couldn't have invited me to do the Phantom Stranger show? I did, and you were too busy with your family. So, you know, hey, the train, that like, the train moves one, on, my friend. That guy's read, like, one Phantom Stranger comic. I mean, <laughs> I've read as many Phantom Stranger comics as he is. I it, could have done that. It was very upsetting to me to realize after the show that I was co-hosting with a fetus, apparently. Because, <laughs> uh, I, I'm, I'm not uh, – I don't get all hung up on, you know, being older than, like, an average comic fan. But when he mentioned that he was not yet born when there was a com- – when that Secret Origins issue came out, which I remember buying on the stands, I all of a sudden just felt like I was – a thousand years old. So thanks for that, com- Chad. I've got comic book T-shirts older than him. <laughs> so, you know, honestly, you know what? Let me let me take a step back. My problem so much isn't with Chad because he's actually a pretty nice guy. But my problem is with you, Rob Kelly. <laughs> all right. How many times have I heard that in my life? Let's just make that clear. All right. So I'm doing this episode under protest. Okay. There, I have protested. I'll put a, some sort of warning in the show notes or something about that. Fine. There. Now I'm happy. And now I'm really happy because I want to talk about Firestorm. Yay! Woo! Uh, folks, this week we are going to cover The Fury of Firestorm, The Nuclear Man, number 14, and Aquaman, number 14. These came out a week ago, but, you know, we're getting to them now. Deal with it. Your big bo- you put your big boy pants on. You can handle it. <laughs> and uh, before we get started, i, I got to say something. I'm, I'm really excited about something that I was really depressed about before, if that makes any sense. Um, 
<laughs> Bipolar there, Shay. <laughs> Sales on the Fury of Firestorm have not been that great. We've talked about it before. Everyone knows. Um, I mean, quite frankly, if you look at the, the sales charts that Diamond Comics releases through Comic uh, Chronicles, I think it is, and Firestorm's at the bottom of DC's heap of the New 52. I mean, it really is. It's no denying that. So I've been worried that, you know, uh, if sales didn't improve with Dan Jurgens coming on board, it might get canceled. And if you do the math, Jurgens started with issue 13. You know, and a typical trade paperback is six issues. So I was thinking, okay, you know, maybe it's got six issues. You know, if DC wants to keep it around, but also get a trade paperback out of it, you get 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18. So, yes, I did just count on my fingers. Um, you'd get to, from issue 13 to 18, to really get some motion going on the series. Well, the solicitation for issue 18 was due to come out this week or next week. We knew it was coming, and I was so fearful it was going to say, final issue. It's, it's like when you read your favorite comic solicitation and it says final issue, it's like a punch in the gut. You know, it really is. I've seen it before. It's like, oh, not that book. Not GI Combat. Not Justice League International. No. You know, kind of thing. <laughs> it's like every book you read. Uh, I am um, I am a sickness for comics. It seems like whenever, <laughs> I, whenever I randomly start picking up a comic, like I remember Power Pack, you know, um, I enjoyed the original run of Power Pack. And then at the very end, it got good again. So I started picking up again. Sure enough, it ended. You know, it's, that's the kind of thing. I, I, I'm, a, I, I'm able to kill a comic sometimes. Yeah, anyway. so, so publishers, if you get a fan email from Shag, be very, very fearful because you know <laughs> the end is near. Just watch your publication numbers. Exactly right. Uh, so I was nervous that Firestorm number 18. I, in fact, I'll go beyond nervous. I kind of convinced myself, honestly, that I was like, all right, this is going to happen. You know, I, I'm just going to have to accept it, that Firestorm number 18 is going to say final issue, and that'll be that. Well, solicitation came out yesterday. It not only does it not say final issue on it, it has multiplex on the cover. Yay! So I was just like, what? So I am. Clearly, whenever they do a last issue, uh, Jurgens is saving Slipknot for that. Right. I mean, yeah. So uh, Go out with a bang. Exactly. <laughs> or, a, or, a, or a noose. Uh, anyway, I was just so excited, and that energy has continued on to here, and it is allowing me to get past the sickness in my stomach at you, Rob Kelly, for <laughs> podcasting without me. So <laughs> Now, why – now, you did one without me. I don't understand why me doing one without you is like we, – We were on a break. Uh-huh. <laughs> all right. Worked for Ross and Rachel, right? Yeah. Hey, man, didn't really. So, but all right. <laughs> Got a lot of mileage out of that. It did, it's true. Maybe, yeah, maybe we're lucky to get 10, 10 years out of uh, fire water. <clears throat> You're shooting low. You're lowballing it, man. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, uh, any further preamble, sir, before we get going? I think you've said enough. Ouch. All right. Uh, well, then we will jump right into the Fury of Firestorm, the Nuclear Man, number fourteen. Start off with a cover by Dan Jurgens and Ray McCarthy. You've got Ronnie and Jason looking like they're about to punch the living crap out of each Ronnie other. Ronnie is ripped. Well, he's a football player. But he is really ripped, though. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's funny. If, if, as we get older, uh, Chad Bokelman's like a teenager, so he might remember this. Um, <laughs> when you're younger, you're incredibly lean, I wonder whether what, by uh, exercise or just because you are. Like, you know, like uh, my nephew who plays soccer, like, God, the kid's like pure muscle. And he's like 17. It's like, God, how do you do that? And then I forgot, like, you know, when I was that age. 
I was the laziest kid in the world, and I was skinny as a rail and defined and everything, too. So part of it's youth. Part of it's that he's, you know, one of the best football players playing high school ball right now. Right, so. right, right. Now, Jason's no slouch in this picture. I mean, no, he's got some, no. Oh, yes, his forearm certainly. looks yes. pretty, yeah. pretty sturdy there. Um, so you've got Ronnie and Jason in the front looking like they're about to punch each other. Uh, actually, Ronnie, I have a reason for saying this. Ronnie looks like the more violent of the two. And that's going to play a role here in a second. In the background, you've got Firestorm. It's a nice, huge shot of Firestorm sort of like hovering over them, looking down at them sort of thing. Now, here's where the, the violence thing comes in. I think there's some symbolism going on in Firestorm's hands. Firestorm's left hand is clenched behind Ronnie. Firestorm's right hand is open behind Jason. My guess, I think that sort of is supposed to represent Ronnie's aggressiveness as Jason's more open-handed, you know, the, the thinker of the group. Oh, I'd say so, yeah. So, it's cool. It's a nice cover. Now, here's where the cover gets really confusing. The the, the tagline across the top <laughs> says, if they can't work together, the universe dies. <laughs> to avoid the fiscal cliff. Right. <laughs> um, that tagline has absolutely nothing to do with the comic <laughs> at all. In fact, it almost sounds like one of the editors lifted that off the cover of one of the Brightest Day issues because that was the storyline of Brightest Day, that if Ronnie and Jason didn't work together, the universe would die. It sounds like they lifted it right off a of Brightest Day comic and just stuck it on here. So, <laughs> Control copy, control paste. Yeah, I mean, it just it, it makes no sense. It confuses the mess out of me. And we'll have a similar conversation when we talk about Aquaman, by the way. So, um, All right. By, uh, what I'm going to do this time, folks um, – I, I, I listened back to our issue uh, where we covered it, the episode. Number, episode. Episode. I went back and listened to episode thirteen where we cut co- our episode. I don't know what. It, no, I, I meant to say issue. I went back and listened to the episode where we covered issues thirteen. Okay. All right. And I realized that we didn't so much just review the comics as that we read you every panel. <laughs> we sat down Bing. like um, what. what wasn't there a president who used to read the Sunday funnies over the radio to the Not kids? Not the president, Mayor Filarello LaGuardia. There was a newspaper strike. Uh, so, not a president, but a mayor. Okay. So, I mayor felt like that. York. In hindsight, I was like, wow, we just pretty much read that comic to the kids at home. Um, so, I'm going to do a much higher level review this time. Like, recap. The recap is going to be much shorter, a lot more of my commentary. So, I apologize for that last time. I just, in hindsight, I was like, oof, man, we just, every friggin' panel. Um, okay. So this comic is Takeover Part 2 by Dan Jurgens, who did the story in pencil art, Ray McCarthy, who did the finished ink art, Hi-Fi, who did the colors, Travis Lanham on letters, and Firestorm created by Jerry Conway and Al Milgram. Bing! Uh, when we left last issue, Firestorm had apparently died in a battle with uh, three new villains, Skull Crusher, Relay, and Blackstar. So as the story opens, we get a page of Doctor the Severely Handicapped, Dr. Megala. Uh, <laughs> That's what I imagine Mr. Burns would look like in kind of real life drawing. Yes, <laughs> pretty much. And he's, uh, he's, he's well known from his Captain Adam run. He, he was a big character there. So he's watching all of this happening with Firestorm and those three villains. He's watching from afar. And just to give you an idea on these characters, you've got Skull Crusher, who's very strong yet eloquent. You've got Relay, who's a beautiful woman who's telekinetic and telepathic. And Blackstar, who's an energy-absorbing sort of cloaked character. So... 
As we close the last issue, Firestorm's dead. As we open this issue, Firestorm reappears. He comes up and basically uh, has it out with the three villains. He defeats each of them in some very clever ways using his uh, atomic restructuring powers and some physical combat, which is pretty impressive. The character of Relay gets inside Firestorm's head a bit and discovers that Firestorm's actually a composite of two people. And it informs Dr. Megala and the scientists that he's working with. So then they activate something called the Quantum Field, which disrupts uh, Firestorm's structural integrity and starts to pull them, Ronnie and Jason, apart. Uh, they, they throw caution to the wind. They put all the marbles, whatever. <laughs> they, they put out all their chips, and they, they bet it all, and Firestorm generates the single strongest burst of power, energy he, he can possibly do. He's never gone this far. He's never unleashed this amount of power because he's afraid of what it could cause. So he does that and ends up destroying part of Star Labs, but it allows him to escape. Uh, they feel sick as a dog, so they go home and split into the respective parts and just try and rest up. Meanwhile, Captain Adam and Dr. Megala both take a further interest into the Firestorm situation, as does uh, General Eiling. Now, technically, I say Captain Adam. They didn't tell us it was Captain Adam, but by this point, it's really obvious it's Captain Adam or Dr. Manhattan, one or the other. <laughs> uh, that would be awesome. Right. <laughs> well, um, General Eiling does take an interest in Captain Adam. That, uh, I'm sorry, takes an interest in the situation. He's also famous from Captain Adam, the series, if you're not familiar. Then we get some scenes of Ronnie and Jason in high school. Uh, we see Ronnie continuing to have trouble with his classwork. Tanya, who is Jason's love interest, uh, is helping Ronnie create some friction between the two characters. We get further hints about Jason and Ronnie's parents dating. And then something starts to affect both Ronnie and Jason. This is probably after school, but something begins to affect both Ronnie and Jason. They get really sick to like their stomach. They kind of says they say I believe they have some. It has something to do with what happened to him the night before with the quantum field. So they merge to create Firestorm again to investigate, and they're very quickly ambushed by the giant robot Data Zen we saw last issue. Data Zen wraps Firestorm up, drags him inside the robot. That's going to so make a robot, great toy. It is. It is. You're right. It, uh, the, the robot actually opens up. Drags Firestorm inside him, uh, and then inside the robot also is that quantum field, which nullifies Firestorm's powers. Then, suddenly, bang, switch, boom! Dr. Megala has switched his consciousness <laughs> into the Firestorm body. You like my noises? I love that. No, I'm also looking at that panel of, the, of what's his name's face as he's Firestorm. Yes, <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I am a pirate. Uh, Dr. Megala switches his consciousness into the Firestorm body, flies off, and at the last moment, we actually get our full first shot of Captain Adam before it was just hints. But um, you get your first full shot of Captain Adam. He has gone to talk to General Eiling, and he says he's here to help whether you want it or not. And his next issue, the showdown, you won't believe. I think I'll believe it. I think I will, too. <laughs> uh, all right. I'm going to talk about the art first. Well, what did you think? Did you enjoy it? I did. I really think um, my love of the work of uh, Ildare Sonar Knows No Bounds, as we have stated before. But totally. uh, especially since, you know, any of you happen to see his stuff like on his blog that he's been doing. He's been doing sort of like just stuff on his own. He did these Batman samples that were just amazing. So he is I'm such a I'm more of a fan of his now than I even was when the book started. That said, I really think Jurgens has creatively rescued this title. Um, he has made it. I th I think if I was like a 12 year old comic fan, I'd like Chad or something. Um, I don't <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> He's the new Frank. Um, uh, no, but if if I was a young comics fan, like I would love this book because to me this is very straightforward. Um, Oh, I'm trying to think of another term, but like really 
really solid superhero comics. Yeah. And it, it's perfect for a young teen audience, you know? And I think more superhero comics should be like that. So I am I'm thrilled. I think Jurgens and the Inker, first of all, again, I've talked about it in the last issue, I think Jurgens and McCarthy make a great combo. They are yes. really, really good. The coloring, who did the, you didn't, you didn't. Hi-Fi. Hi-Fi, Hi-Fi again. The coloring in this book is really beautiful. Um, which page is it? I think it's page six. The one with all the blue in the background, where there are, where Firestorm's in that weird stasis field thing. Mm-hmm. The blues of the sky contrasted with the reds and the yellows of Firestorm. It's just, I, I really think these guys have done a, a great job to sort of like take this book, swing this book out of the ditch that it was in and bring it back. Now, create, now sales-wise, you know, we have no idea whether that's going to last, but I think Jurgens and McCarthy and the other guys have done everything DC could have possibly asked of them in terms of bringing this book back to a more stable premise, and I think it's really solid, really, really solid. I couldn't agree more. They've done so much for this book. It is, it, it's, I hate to call it lighthearted, because that's not the right thing. But, but it is kind it, of. I mean, it's, well, it's, it's superhero drama, you know? Yeah. It's not a lot of baggage. It doesn't feel weighed down. Is what I mean by lighthearted, and meaning like it's fun, it's got drama, it's got you know your, your subplots, it's got you know character conflict, but it doesn't feel weighed down. No, it's not grim. It's not grim. yeah. It's, super, it's superhero action with all the you know the, all that kind of stuff that that goes with that, but it's not it's not grim, and and that's yeah. what I really like about it. And it's you know he's he's recaptured the essence of I think he's done a good job recapturing the essence of the the old Jerry Conway stuff. Yes, yeah, absolutely. I said I think I am thrilled with the, the job Jurgens has done on this book. Now uh, I will tell you the the, the big in you know what let me um, let me run through the art first because I want to talk about the art then we'll talk about story real quick. Um, you talked about Ray McCarthy. Actually, I, I've been corresponding with Ray McCarthy. Super nice guy, by the way. Name drop. Wow. <laughs> Humble brag, as you like to say. Um, he, actually, he actually just had some major surgery, uh, but he's recovering well, so that's good to hear. And he's actually getting ready to draw Firestorm number sixteen right now, I think. So it's kind of a, kind oh, of really. Exciting. He's going to do that. I'm sorry, inking. I'm sorry, he's getting ready to ink it. Uh, okay. It, in fact, I asked him about his relationship uh, with Dan on the inking versus um, penciling because they list Dan as uh, let's see how, what's the exact wording. It says pencil art. And Ray's finished ink art, right? So I was kind of curious, you know, what's what's their finisher? Because you know, you hear different people say what a finisher is and right. things like that. So here, here's actually a quote from an email correspondence. Um, I'm this is from Art. Uh, this is from Ray McCarthy. I'm actually supposed to be a finisher, but Dan has such good breakdowns; it's more like regular inking gig for me. It's been really great working with Dan. He's just a terrific guy to work with and one of the best partnerships I've been involved with. I really consider him my mentor on this, as he is savvy enough to know when he wants. Sorry, what he wants, and it helps me polish up in some areas. Well, at the same time, he's extremely generous with the amount of freedom I get. He loves it when I go in and experiment, and most of the time it comes off pretty well. It's interesting to hear that Dan's pencils are so tight. You know, his, his, his loose pencils, his layouts are so tight that, you know, Ray considers it more like just an inking job than a finishing job. So, uh, And you can see Dan in here, clearly. You can see Dan's touches in the art, and in the, um, they make a great combination. They really do. Yeah, absolutely. I love the, their look of the Firestorm costume. It looks awesome. I love the eyes, the black depth around the blood, the eyes. I love the cowl. I get so happy every time I see Jason's floating head. It's just, <laughs> it, it just brings back so many memories of old Firestorm. It makes me so happy. Now, there's one area that I'm still struggling with. I like it, but I'm struggling with is the hair. Um, it's very Bunsen burner, you know, sort of thing. 
And it's got some great Kirby Crackle, which everybody loves Kirby Crackle. Come on. But How have they not made that into a candy bar yet? <laughs> they should totally give that away to convention. Yeah. Um, but I kind of miss the endless flaming trail. Like, uh, Firestorm looked like this when he started. He did have this sort of tight, compressed hair, flaming hair. But as time went by, whether it be Al Milgram or Broderick or KNM, the tail on Firestorm's hair started getting longer to the point where it was sort of like a, almost like a Firestar streak of flame all the time. And, you know, by the elemental era, it was just a giant mane of flame. And, and, and you know, we saw a lot of that in the previous portion of this series, you know, issues 1 through 12. You know, Firestorm's hair was a lot more big, big flames. I kind of miss that a little. Okay. <laughs> Thanks for being there with me. Uh, <laughs> all right. I also really like Jurgens and McCarthy's teenagers. Uh, if, if in the scenes where they're in the high school, I mean, each teenager looks unique. You can you can really tell those are teenagers by the way he's drawing them. Like a lot of times, you know, a lot of times people draw kids as just shorter adults. Yeah. You know, John Byrne gets a bad rep for that, things like that. But here, <laughs> is that what his bad rep is? From? <laughs> right. That, that's the only thing. Uh, <laughs> But here again, you can see their age, you can see the physique, and I just love, I love the way Ronnie looks. It doesn't look identical to the Ronnie we knew in the old days, but this is a distinct look that I really dig. I like him. Now, um, there's one panel where Jason looks like a completely different kid, and I'm not pointing it out to gripe. I'm pointing it out for a specific reason. If you look at the page where they're in the high school, the, the top panel is the, the, the sign, this is Walton Mills High School. Okay. If you look at the bottom right-hand panel on that page, Jason looks completely different. Hmm. He looks super skinny, super gawky, you know, sort of nerdy, and you know, sort of like a really underdeveloped physique. Hmm. Doesn't look anything like the rest of Jason. Compared to uh, Flash Thompson, there. Right now, here's where it's different, though. That's the Jason I want, actually. Mm-hmm. The bottom right-hand one where he looks all skinny, gawky, young. And, you know, that reminds me of the Jason that was in the Batman Brave and the Bull cartoon. Mm-hmm. That's kind of the Jason I wish we had, but anyway, either way, um, I, I think their teenagers are great. Uh, I have to, by the way, just um, because it's in, in my contract, I have to say this, uh, Relay, the, the female telekinetic telepathic chick, she's hot. <laughs> yeah, um, Hector made me write into a contract that I would say at every episode. Hector Negrete has forced me to say this every episode, that somebody's hot. So thank, there you, you. thank you, Hector. I fulfilled my obligation. Check. All right. Uh, as you, you already brought it up, I love when Dr. Megala takes over Firestorm. I love his that face. face. That cracked me up when I saw that. that did... <laughs> they're, they're trying to recreate Megala's face because he does have a warped <laughs> look. Like one of his eyes is really big. It looks, it looks like, like Popeye. Well, it looks like he's had a stroke and like he, he can only move half his mouth probably or something. <laughs> but, yeah, exactly. He looks like, I'm Popeye the Firestorm. I'm Popeye the Nuclear Man. I'm Popeye the Nuclear Man. Anyway. Uh, uh, I think we found our stinger. Right. And uh, they also took all the Firestorm colors and muted them. So yeah, yeah, yeah. It looks really cool. <laughs> like the reds are almost black and the yellows are more dark, dark gold. It's like Superman's uniform in Superman 3 where he became evil Superman. It's totally Superman 3. <laughs> I want to see Firestorm go to a bar and flick peanuts into flick the mirror. Peanuts, I know. It's the other thing, the exact same thing. That's awesome. Um... <laughs> Speaking of costume colors, you'll notice Captain Adam, if you followed the previous, his ongoing series, you notice he looks pretty different here. He's, he's no longer, look, he, he looks more like Dr. Manhattan, at the same time he looks less like Dr. Manhattan. Like, in his other series he was blue, and he didn't really have any black outlines, he sort of had like fuzzy outlines, so he looked very Dr. Manhattan-esque. 
Now he's back to silver, classic silver. He's no longer blue, and he has black outlines. But now he's bald, like Dr. Manhattan <laughs> and the flaming mohawk he had before is gone, or smoking mohawk's gone. So it's, he looks different, though. That's worth mentioning. Think, and then, go ahead. I think DC should just bring in Dr. Manhattan. They should just, now that, now that the dam has been broken on the whole Watchmen thing, they should just bring him in the DC universe. Oh, jeez. Now, um... You do know the whole history on Watchmen and, Doc, and Captain Adam and Dr. Manhattan. Yes, yes, based on all the right. Charlton characters. Right? Yes, okay. I want to make sure. Um, all right, and here, here, here's, here's your moment of zen, folks. You ready? <clears throat> Prepare yourself. Fizzash, foosh, tatoosh, whack, shoom. You actually get two shooms in this issue. Worth noting. Skakak, skakang, sharang, shroom. So apparently if you're dealing with data zen, everything starts with shh. So, <laughs> thanks for that. I, I love the sound effects. I, the, apparently, there's so much fun. All right, so now talking about the story, um, the, one of the things I want to touch on is something that I've seen a lot of comments about. There's been a negative. While everyone loves Firestorm and loves the formula of the book, there's been one thing I've seen a lot of people gripe about, and that is that Dan Jurgens' run has started with new villains not classic rogues, and that they've made a big deal about bringing in Captain Adam, whose series got canceled. So their, their, their kind of common concern is, if you're trying to really jumpstart Firestorm, why would you bring in a character whose series just got canceled? Mm. You're not bringing a strong fan base to help you there. You know, <laughs> like in, in, the, in the original Firestorm number 2 in 1978, you got Superman. You know, okay, he brings a pretty strong fan base. People might check it out based on that. In Jane Jurgen's second episode issue, he brings Captain Adam, who got canceled. So I, I get where they're coming from. Next issue, OMAC. Right, exactly. You know, jeez. Um, <laughs> um, so, you know, it, it's a very valid question. And actually, uh, Dan Jurgen's addressed that recently in an interview on comicbook.com with Russ Burlingame. And they actually talked about that. They talked about the fact that, you know, Dr. Megalon, Captain Adam, you know, are you worried about bringing in that, you know, the uh, threads from a canceled book? And he said uh, it, he does think about that. He is concerned about it, but he says there's a lot of similarities between Captain Adam and Firestorm, and it's just one of the stories that he felt like had to be told. There's just so much connecting them. So, and it just seemed like it, with the comparisons, the similarities, it made it a natural. So, you know what? Uh, I just want to kind of end that. I don't want to say end that discussion, but like my concern on it. This discussion is now over. <laughs> I just mean like I, I'm hoping that puts some some of the thoughts to rest, and also seeing that we've got. Um, multiplex coming in issue 18. Like I, I just want us to all put this behind us and really rally behind this book. That's what I want us to do because we need to support the book. Uh, we need to support Dan and Ray and Hi-Fi's efforts in the book um, because they deserve it. It's a it's a great comic. So well, plus, you know, you don't want to always bring in a guest star that's just clearly like a sales driver because then that's that's how you end up getting Batman in every comic for two years straight. <laughs> That's so true. You know, I mean, like, yeah, I mean, like in the seventies, every Marvel—I mean, at Marvel in the seventies, every DC superhero met Superman, every single one. Yeah. And then and they did that with Spider-Man and Wolverine. You know, I remember being in the, right. being in comic shops in the eighties, and I was like, why is Wolverine in this book? Oh, it's because he's Wolverine. So I mean, they've got, they even got to the point where they would crack jokes. They put Wolverine on the cover, and it would even say, "And Wolverine appears in one panel yeah. in this comic." Right. You know? So you know, I, there's nothing wrong with bringing in a character that just got canceled. It's just. It's you're, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean the character's a failure or is, you know, is, is going to like lower sales or anything. It's just his book just didn't happen to work. Right. 
exactly. So, uh, on the story, I loved the story. I'm loving the humor. I love Jason and Ronnie's interactions. I think they work very well together. Um, I like that they're different kind of guys, and they have their differences, and there's some jealousy there, but they still figure out how to work together when it's game time, you know? Um, I love lots of the little touches in here that makes it feel like a Conway book. You've got, like, you know, Ronnie oversleeping. There's the pressure on getting good grades. He's there's doing love some major league cheating. With the, with the term paper? Yeah. Yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. They're not just, he, she's not just helping him out. She's actively writing papers for him. Right. I mean, I, I really hope there's consequences of that. I hope that Ronnie gets busted for that. Oh, you know, I maybe think that's, they're setting that up, sure. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, to show you the cheating's wrong kind of thing. Um, I like the parents dating. I think that's cool. I love Ronnie's total fixation on sports. There's a great line in here. He's like, do you think of anything besides football? He's like, yeah, basketball season's coming up. <laughs> um you know, Coach Conway's in it, which is awesome. Uh, Dan Jurgen said in that same interview, by the way, that um, there's going to be a different coach for basketball. So I'm kind of hoping it's like Coach Milgram. Coach Milgram, right. Or Coach Broderick or something, or Coach K. Annan or whatever. Uh, let's see, Ronnie. Coach Slipknot. Oh, careful there. Uh, Ronnie's a bit of a doofus. He keeps saying Jason or Rushman whenever they're merged as Firestorm. Someone's going to record them talking, you know, record Firestorm, and they're going to put it together and go, oh, Firestorm's talking to Jason Rush. Secret identity, done. You know, and they're going to find themselves in a bunch of trouble. So, and, and, and I get where it's coming from. It's, he's supposed to be not thinking about the consequences because he's a teenager. That's fine. But it just, you know, and I'm not griping from a story writing. I'm just thinking, oh, man, he's going to get himself in trouble sooner or later. I really dug how Firestorm handled those three villains. Like, with Relay, who's this energy absorber, every time Firestorm blasts Relay, Relay absorbs the energy. You know, so Firestorm's a blaster. What's he going to do? So I really – very cleverly, he opens a hole in the floor. He turns the floor to gas for like several floors and Relay just falls through several floors down. Great idea. That was Ronnie's idea too, not Jason's. Uh, then you get the Skull Crusher guy. This didn't really take him out, but it just embarrassed him. They turned his costume into a giant bunny suit, which I thought was hysterical. Giant pink bunny. That's very classic Firestorm. That is exactly what you would have saw in a Jerry Conway kind of comic. That made me very, very happy. And finally, he, he freaking clocks Relay, the, the telepathic telekinetic girl. And uh, they don't actually show it. They just show him going at her. Then it sh- you hear whack, and then she's on the ground. <laughs> and Jason actually goes, you punched a girl! <laughs> so I just thought that was, it was you know, it, I'm glad they showed that he can do all kinds of different levels. He can be physical, he can use energy, he can use his restructuring. Very clever stuff. Now, the, the only, my only criticism of this would be Ronnie took out all three of those villains without Jason's help. Jason did not give any advice to take those three out. So I, I was kind of thinking that maybe the floor disappearing would have been good as Jason's idea. Because, you know, he's supposed to be kind of the brains of the operation. Just a suggestion. Mm. Now, Jason did give advice later on how to escape the quantum field. He's the one who suggested that Firestorm go critical and overload. So I'm glad to see – because, I mean, that's really Jason's function. He's supposed to be giving advice, and I'm glad they, they did that. They totally blew up Star Labs. I'm wondering if that's going to have consequences for them. I mean, they blew up like a third of the building. If I was a teenager – and I blew up a third of a building. I think I might get in trouble. The amount of money Star Labs must spend on rebuilding their buildings. <laughs> their federal budget has got to be crazy. Well, they, they save money every time they fire a prison warden. So they just move that money over to Star Labs. I guess so. 
<laughs> That's a reference for a Who's Who episode. We'll talk about another day. I'm just <laughs> saying, in these fiscal cliff talks, they should definitely cut back on Star Labs funding. That's all I'm saying. I, I don't. I don't disagree. <laughs> Um, there's a one-panel nod here, or two-panel nod to previous Firestorms. I thought you were uh, the first thing I thought was like, "Oh, Shag's gonna love that." I was so happy to see it. You know, they, it's it acknowledges what's come before. You know, we we get the current Firestorm, but this is still saying, "Hey, you know what? All that stuff still happened." You, know, you get to see Hurricane, Firehawk, Poser, Fury, the Rogue Protocols. I was just like, "Woo!" You know, it was it was nice. So, did you notice what Ronnie's, by the way, hot mom? Uh, called Ronnie when she was waking him up? Roy Raymond. Ronald Roy Raymond. Ronald Roy Raymond. <laughs> and we haven't got to the R's yet in our Who's Who episodes, but for those of you who don't know, Roy Raymond is a famous DC character. TV During... detective! Exactly! <laughs> in, in fact, in uh, in an interview, Dan Jurgen said that Roy Raymond is Ronnie's famous uncle. <laughs> Now, I don't know if I he's didn't kidding. know that. Okay, that's funny. I don't know if he's kidding or shit. I would assume he's being serious. Because he, he clearly Jurgens knew what he did when he wrote Roy Raymond in there. So for those of you who don't know, as Rob just said, Roy Raymond, TV detective. He was the host of a TV show called Impossible But True. <laughs> it's sort of like a Ripley's Believe It or Not. And the stories would involve Raymond and his assistant, a girl named Karen Duncan. And they would go investigate claims and expose hoaxes and stuff. And um, they would air the stuff on TV. And eventually, it was a backup strip in Detective Comics for a while. And then it moved over to another series. So, But he was, a, he was a background character in like the 50s or 60s. Now, in more recent times, his grandson, who was called Roy Raymond Jr., which I don't get why he's a junior if he's a grandson. But anyway, became Owl Man. In the Outsiders book, there was an Outsiders monthly series before Flashpoint. Oh, I didn't know and, any of that. Yeah, it was when Batman was dead, or it was when Bruce Wayne was dead, and they had already formed the Outsiders. Then Batman died, and you know the writers of Outsiders are like, "Well, crap! What are we going to do now?" So, because the book had just become like Batman and the Outsiders, so they had to figure out how to restructure the book, and you end up getting Owlman. And it was Roy Raymond um, Jr. who was the character. It was an interesting character. So, <laughs> Roy Raymond, podcast detective. That's the new. <laughs> there it is. There it is. Uh, there was one scene that I thought was really kind of strange. Where after high, after school, they go home. Ronnie and Jason both get sick. They, they it's like the quantum energy thing. Doctor Megalus trying to draw them out, basically what it is. But they both get sick and. The strange thing is, Ron, like, Jason buckles over and goes, oh, I don't feel good. And suddenly Ronnie's at the door of their house going, me too. It was like, do you live in their front yard? Maybe, you know. Were you in the treehouse? It's kind of strange. I do want to say, I love the, like I said, the, 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 the giant metal guy at the end. What's his name? Data Zen. Data Zen. Like I said, I was joking. That's going to make a great toy. But it really is. because And Jurgens even shows, because you see him when he, like, shoves Firestorm into his chest thing there that'll make yeah. a great two-pack you can come with the firestorm and it'll come with the giant data zen and you can put the figure inside the other figure oh absolutely they uh they have an upcoming cover which actually shows like firestorm wrapped up in those coils is that that's the one with all the blue background is it that mm, one i'm trying to remember there's one cover that has like a blue like a mostly blue background all this energy stuff in the background which is like a beautiful cover absolutely gorgeous I think it's number 16. Yeah, because no, number – oh, no, that's number 15. That's the next one with Captain Adam. Okay. Where you, you actually see, like, Firestorm Skeleton, I think. Yes, that, oh, yeah. that is such a beautiful cover. Really so that's, that's 15. 16 is the Data Zen cover. 17 okay. is Teen Titans. 18 is Multiplex. Yeah, so. that, that, that cover for number 15, I'm, like, that's, I'm looking at it right now on, on this site I found called Firestorm Fan. 
it's uh, <laughs> it's killer. It's a killer. It's beautiful. I really that that would jump out. I mean, if that doesn't spike some sales, because I think it'll just jump out at you on the uh, on the shelves. It's very electric. Yeah, it's beautiful. Beautiful. You like that? You like that? That was, uh, cl- that was clever was, on my part. Right. I, I gotta say, I I haven't completely warmed to Data Zen yet. Like. I don't. I don't despise the character or the robot. It's not like, Argh! but it's like, I don't know. I don't have a lot of passion for that. Yeah, I, I like Relay. I was interested in Relay. I was interested in um, what's the character? The the Bruiser one, uh, Skullcrusher. Skull yeah, I, I dug Relay and Skullcrusher. I just haven't really glommed on to Data Zen just yet. So okay. I'm sure it'll happen, but especially once I have that action figure where yeah. they go inside. Yeah, it's going to help. Now, Ronnie and Jason have an interesting situation here where currently to to create Firestorm, they have to touch. I don't think it's every time they touch. I think it's just when they consciously choose to to create Firestorm and touch, they, boom, become Firestorm. And sooner or later, that may become a problem. With with Ronnie and and the professor in the old days, they could create Firestorm from a distance. Just mentally go, they they would call each other basically. Like, Professor, I need to make Firestorm now! And boom, it happened. I kind of hope they get to that point eventually. Because it did create some really cool story dynamics where, you know, Ronnie would be in the middle of a basketball game. And the professor initiates the Firestorm merger. You know, Ronnie's totally screwed. He has to run out of the stadium. And everyone's like, where's our star basketball player going? Ah! And then there's, there's one thing here I got to tell you. I, I literally busted out loud laughing. They've just formed Firestorm. They're, they, they don't feel well. You know, they, they had this thing where Dr. Megal was trying to draw them out. They're like, let's go find out what it is. I got to go. And uh, they start to fly away. It, and Jason just drops a bomb on Ronnie. He goes, hey, do you know your mom is dating my – your mom is dating my dad? And Ronnie just goes, what? And it's this it's really dragged out what that actually stretches outside of the word balloon. <laughs> what? Craig, I mean, I bust – every time I read that panel, I just die laughing. And, and I do like one other thing he does here. He goes, that's a lie. He says, my – um." Wait, where is My it? mom would not be interested in your dad. Right. And, and Jason goes, why? Because he's an amputee or because he's – and they start to play the race card here. And Ronnie says, don't go there. And in that same interview with comicbook.com, they ask Dan Jurgens about that. They say, is that a, a nod to the overt racial overtones we saw in the beginning of the series? If you remember, in issue number one, there was some race card throwing between Ronnie and Jason, and they got in a big argument about it. And, and, and Jurgens said most emphatically, yes, this was a response to – just kind of putting that – just putting it down and saying, that's it. We're done with that issue. Mm-hmm. There are no race issues between Ronnie and Jason, and they're not going to be. And I'm glad for that because that's, that's just a, a, a road no one needs to go down for this series. Plus, they're younger guys. They're younger yeah. guys. And, you know, as, as we've seen of every indication of polling and things like that, the younger generation, people just don't have those same sorts of issues for the most part. So it makes sense dramatically for those guys to just not, that not be a thing. Absolutely. So you're left with a big question at the end. When Dr. Megala becomes, we got to come up with a funny name, like Fire Megala or, <laughs> or Megalodon. I don't know. Anyway, when Megala takes over the Firestorm consciousness, what has happened to Ronnie and Jason's consciousness? Are they still inside the Firestorm body? Are they trapped in Megala's handicapped body? Or are they inside Data Zen? Mm. That started me thinking about that cover. Started me thinking. Apparently, I'm hitting puberty. <laughs> started me thinking about that cover. Yeah, Firestorm all wrapped up in the cables. Two issues from now, maybe that's a Megala thing. Maybe they're, maybe uh, maybe they're inside Data Zen fighting the Firestorm Megalodon character. Something to think about. Either way, 
great issue. Very excited for the series. This is the Firestorm I think a lot of classic Firestorm fans have been waiting for, and you've got it. It's out there, folks. Spread the word. Buy extra copies and put them in people's hands. People. <laughs> Seriously. I'm not kidding. <laughs> One of our listeners is doing that, is buying extra copies. His name's uh, Roy Cleary. Charlemagne. Charlemagne. You know him. He's, he's been picking up an extra copy every month just to help support the book. and He's like a Jehovah's Witness, except it's for right. Firestorm. <laughs> Have you accepted Ronnie as your personal? Have <laughs> uh, <laughs> you accepted, accepted Data Zen as your personal? I'm son? not answering the door. Charlemagne's outside with those Firestorm comics. <laughs> but get the word out there, guys. If you want this series to continue, we're the only ones that can make that happen. You know, by making, you know, helping the sales increase. And if somebody, if we don't tell people, they're not going to go. Oh, issue 15 just came out of this comic I've never read. I, I'm going to pick it up. Right. That just doesn't happen. People right. don't do that right. unless they someone tells them this comic is great. You've right. got to buy it. So please get the word out there and let's support this series. Yeah, if, if Firestorm ends up being canceled, it will not be because creatively it didn't work anymore. Exactly. So great comic. And and by the end of it, you know, Firestorm, you know, if, if the series does end, by the end of that, it, it, the character's going to be a better place. Right. Jurgens have set the stage to, to right. Yeah. Ooh. By the way, I meant to mention that. In fact, <laughs> Hour solic- six of the Firestorm recap. <laughs> the solicitation for the new Justice League issue came out as well. It's got Cyborg on the cover, and it's got like a bunch of new members around the edges, like potential new members. Pretty sure it's going to be Element Woman, but new members of the Justice League. But in the bottom left-hand corner, Firestorm. Nice. So made the cover of Justice League. About time. Okay. It'll probably be like a one-panel acknowledgement. Like, no, Firestorm applied. He just blew up Star Labs. No, thank you. Jeff Johns needs more characters to stand around not doing anything. So. Well, I'm just saying the, the most of the most of the characters in the current book now just stand around and don't do anything. So he just to have more doing that. I have to tell you, I read a bulk of Justice League recently. Oh, I, sorry. No, I've been letting I've been letting them stack up. Because I just didn't have the passion to read them. I was like, uh, okay, you know. And, and I, that's why I feel like sad Charlie Brown music playing in the background when you do your little hang dog voice. Christmas time. Right. Wow. And that's why we're never going to have a musical episode, folks. Right there. You just heard it. So I, uh, I don't know where I was going with this. Oh, Justice League. I read like four or five issues in a row. And I will say... The series has gotten much better since the first six years. Yes. It really, really has. Yes. And, and now that we know the direction they're going, that the dysfunctionality of the team is a purposeful story element, we know that's a part of the story. Yes. You know, it, it works better. So it's like, okay, I know where they're going with this. You know, I got to see the scene where Aquaman calls him out and says, y'all suck. That was nice. So. <laughs> he did get a nice moment in the last issue. but so. It did. It did. So, All right. Yes. You want to talk about that guy that talks to fish? Yes, I guess we should. Uh, Aquaman number 14, the same came out the same week as Firestorm, by Jeff Johns. Cover by the boys, happy to see, but the insides uh, were not by them, uh, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> uh, well, it's just, a, you know, it's a hard hard transition to make. Anyway, this issue uh, was drawn by Pete Woods and Pere Perez, with inks by an ent- <laughs> half the DC staff. Uh, Marlo Aquiza, who did Firestorm. Former Firestorm. Uh, Roy Jose, Sean Parsons, Perry Perez, Cam Smith. This is 
the as it says on the title, the Throne of Atlantis prologue. Again, much like we did, I agree with Chag in the, the previous issue. We did got bogged way too far down in the, the describing every detail of the book, so I'm not going to do that again here. Episode. What? You said past issue. You meant past oh, episode. Oh, say I do it again. Yeah, say now it's it's happening. Um, it's, ca- it's catching. It's like calling people friends. The, the serpent. Um, this issue, which, okay, this issue opens in 1820 in the Atlantic. We see a bunch of old, uh, kind of piratey guys come across, uh, a guy that looks like an old timey version of Aquaman. Um, he, uh, they have him hanging up, hanging upside down. They're about to throttle him when the ship gets knocked on its side, partially on its side. And we see they're surrounded by Atlanteans. And then we cut to the present day. Aquaman is talking to the fish. The vada 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 thing. He sends out a message. Yeah, thank you. Uh, he sends out a message via his uh, fish friends to his brother Orm, who is currently sitting on the throne of Atlantis. Which I like. I like that detail of the, the using the fish as the uh, sort of you know virtual email that you've got there. Um, <laughs> we then cut across to Louisiana in Belle Reve Prison, where Black Mana is being interrogated. Um, he. For some reason, the guy who's interrogating him brings in Black Manta's helmet into the room. It just seems like an incredibly stupid thing to do. Um, here, here's a gun, you know, while I'm interrogating you. <laughs> um, he fires and it causes Amanda Waller to come and see what the hell's going on. And she basically wants to hire Black Manta to work for the Suicide Squad. Um, I'm going to cut back to Aquaman having this discussion with uh, Ocean Master about uh, who stole the scepter and... Uh, basically, you know, like this comic, if, if you enjoy Aquaman standing around talking, this is your one, this is your book. Cause this, this conversation goes on for several pages. We cut across to Volko who discovers a dead Atlantean washed up on shores and that makes him jump right into the water and disappear. Uh, Orm and Aquaman talk some more. Uh, they tell each other things that they both already know. Um, so we find out. Uh, wow. found out what happened to the, uh, the, the captain of the ship that almost killed their, I think he's his great grandfather or grandfather. Um, uh, they, they dump, we found out that the Atlanteans dumped everyone on that boat into the water and just let them basically slowly drown. Um, they save the captain and offer him, uh, sort of say, you know, what are we going to do with you? And he insists on dying with his crew. So they, and then we see that the, the the corpse of the captain is sitting there in the wrecked hull of the boat, which is where the setting for Aquaman and Orm are talking. Um, Aquaman asks, you know, Orm, are you planning on invading the surface world sometime soon? And Orm says, no, no, I'm not. I, you know, I would tell you if I was. So it's it's an interesting dynamic in that this is a much more peaceful uh, relationship between these two than we've seen before. We then cut to the bottom of the Atlantic Ocean. We see the scepter come down, hitting this giant pile of rock and exploding it, which frees... The Trench. Dun, 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 dun. And then it cuts through Throne of Atlantis begins in Justice League number 15. So that uh, was Aquaman number 14. <laughs> uh, as you might guess from my uh, summation, I was not a huge fan of this one, um, which kind of breaks my heart a little because so far the Aquaman series was um, 14 for 14. Um, so this one was I me mean, a little less than inspiring. I mean, I, 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 I it would be nice if we didn't conclude a giant story arc and jump right into another giant story arc. It would have been nice to have, like, just a single-issue Aquaman story. Just one and done. And I know that, for the most part, I guess, you know, Jeff Johns doesn't write like that. 
So that, I guess that was too much. But I just, this issue was a lot of setup, a lot of setup. And combining that with the new, the, the new art team, I think that I, I overall I just think it just, just didn't work for me all that well. I, I think it would have been a lesser issue even if the boys had done it because there wasn't any great moment for them to really give like a kapow kind of scene like we've had in all the previous issues. But combining that with it being a new art team, I, I just think this issue just was sort of like a, oh, okay, this is a prelude to something else. Okay, yeah, I read it. Let's move on to the next thing. See, I disagree. If um, if this comic had been packaged differently, I think you would have been more accepting. If it hadn't said uh, "Throne of Atlantis" prologue, pro, prelude, prologue. What's this prelude on the cover? It's a prologue on the inside. inside so. Make up your minds. Uh, if they hadn't said <laughs> cover that, copy people DC are crazy. <laughs> if they if they had just simply said it's the Chris Claremont talky-talky issue, I think you probably would have been okay, because you remember, like, some of the best issues of X-Men during the Claremont era, that's always kind of like my, that's my default setting for remembering Happy Comics when I was a kid, was Claremont's X-Men. Absolutely loved it. And you would get issues where it was just Wolverine and Kitty Pride sitting on the steps, talking while they smoked a cigar. Mm. And that was okay. Yeah, I can enjoy that. I Yeah, I can absolutely enjoy that kind of stuff. And And if you didn't put it in your face that this is the prelude to another big story arc, if they just said this is the talky-talky issue, and then as you read it, you go, ooh, that's foreshadowing for something. I think it would have been a lot better accepted. Because I thought the conversation between Orm and Aquaman was not only great, it was creepy as hell. Because you could tell Orm was unnaturally calm and polite. Yes. Like it was, it was, he was terrifyingly polite. <laughs> I don't know that the sentence has ever been uttered, but he was terrifyingly polite. So I felt a lot of tension in that discussion. It was great. Now, see, I would also say there are a couple of kapow panels or, or spots in this issue. You get the first one, which is, uh, I don't know, the second or third page in, where Aquaman's going, and he's calling That is his, nice. That's flash page. That is nice. He's getting his email fishy friends, or finny, we're supposed to say finny friends, finny not fishy friends. You get another one where Aquaman's just sitting on the bottom of the ocean with the wrecked ship, the USS, I assume that's Essex. And it yeah, looks – it's a great shot of this ship, you know, on its side, which, by the way, that had to be, like, totally a whaling ship, not a pirate ship. What are you calling it a pirate ship? Because they look like they pirates. Don't... Look at them all in the beginning. Well, they, don't, they, look, like, they look like sailors. <laughs> yes, pirates happen to be sailors. It's like the a whale guy's ship. got an eye patch. So did, didn't Ahab? I th- think that was supposed to be the connection, not pirate. It's like, oh, okay, yeah. all right. Okay. Uh, then your other kapow moment is the last page with the trench coming up out of the blackness. That, well, that, yeah, that's there, yeah. So I think you get a couple kapow moments. I think it's good. Now, I will say a couple things worth, else worth noting. We talked about the cover on Firestorm was, like, misleading. And the cover here is misleading as well because Orm looks so sinister on the cover. Yeah, yep. And you clearly see his face. In the comic... You never clearly see his face, and he doesn't do anything sinister in the whole book other than you get a weird, creepy feeling. He's probably going to be sinister. So the covers don't match at all, and he, you know, so that, that bothered me. Yeah, I, I mean, I understand everything you're saying, and I even agree with it to a certain extent, and I'm, I'm not trying to be Captain Negative because, you know, as nobody loves this book and is more supportive of it than I am, but I just, I don't know. I just think it would have been nice to do, it would be nice to have a single issue of Aquaman and Mira doing something. Just, that's it. Just a single issue. And then we'll do another 19-part storyline. 
like the mirror like the mirror goes grocery yes goes. yeah just okay. you know like we just had eight i don't remember long like seven months of the others and then just do one month of aquaman and mirror just being like superheroes and doing something fun and, and then hey, next month throne of atlantis i just i think maybe i'm getting fatigued of just endless endless of- arcs Event event fatigue. Uh, yeah, just like, well, oh. you're you're reading a Jeff Johns book, right. so right, and I know, and I know that, that, and I know that, and 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 uh, and to be honest, if this was not, if if this was Jeff Johns writing another character, I would not be reading this book. I'd be like, enough, I can't read anymore. Or I just you know, like tell just tell me a story. Stop with the ten thousand multi arc things. But it's Aquaman, so okay. I again, I don't. I, I'm probably coming across more harsh than I mean to be. I just. Uh, you know, I, I just, uh. I'm telling you, if they had packaged this differently and not called it anything to do with Throne of Atlantis, I think it would have been fine. Maybe so. I really do. I think it's, I think, I think it's a one and done story. It's a one and done moody talking piece, mm. you know? Now I, I think you're also, honestly, I, I think you need to face reality. I think you need to look in the mirror, look at that ugly bald mug ears and realize wow. and say to yourself, I am going through Ivan Reese withdrawal. That I'm is going through, yes. I'm I'm going through the boys' withdrawal. That is probably true because this issue was also not colored by Rod Reese. I mean, he's, oh, I didn't, I, yeah, I didn't notice that. Yeah, he's not he's not leaving the book, but he took the, I think he took this month or maybe next month off. So, on top of Reese and Prado being gone, the other Reese is also gone. So, uh, and, okay. and it doesn't kind of help that they're on the cover. They do the cover. and halfway through the book, there's a giant Throne of Atlantis ad. Yeah, so which is nice. It's a nice two page ad. Yeah. I guess Shazam's going to be part of Throne of Atlantis. Yes. I didn't realize that. Yeah. So, yeah, so, like I said, I, now, I, yeah. There's, I got one more thing to say. This is okay. really interesting uh, about Black Mana. And you're right. They, they put the helmet in there, which is sort of foolish. <laughs> but interesting thing, though, is you know Black Mana kills the guard that's in the, the cell with him. He does not use the laser beam helmet to kill the guard. No, he doesn't. He instead brutally chokes and drowns the guy with his chained cuffs. Like, wow, that that tells you a lot about Black Mana and who he is. In that he's gonna he's gonna choke a bitch <laughs> rather than blast him. I thought that was powerful. Now, because if you go back and read Jeff Johns, say his JSA work, mm-hmm. not Justice Society of America, because that was that was the second series, very different than his earlier work. His first series, JSA, after Robinson left the book, that book was a masterpiece. You would totally go two-issue storyline, one-issue story, three-issue, six-issue arc. It just constantly changed. Yeah, I like that. I like that idea. And so far, we haven't had any of that. Well, we did. We had a trench that was, what, three or four issues. Then we had an issue off, which was just Mary going shopping. Then we had... Has been the others ever since then? Yeah. yeah I guess, okay. It's been the others ever since. Okay. The other storyline was too long, even though the others were great and makes it. I mean, those should have just been called Prelude to Prisoner of War Monthly. Right. Is what it should yeah. Be called. yeah. Well. Right. Well, and even the one issue with Mira was just Mira. It just. Yeah. It just would like a single issue Aquaman Mira story. I don't think that that's being ridiculous to ask for in a book you, called Aquaman. You get it. It's not called Aquaman and Mira. It's called Aquaman. It's called Aquaman. So that's why you don't get a single. It, it'll happen eventually. Quit your vision. Ah. Okay. Well, uh, since we're since we're Jeff John bashing, can I? Uh, no, we're not. No, not. Since we're Jeff Johns, since you're Jeff Johns bashing, I'll uh, I'll go ahead and jump in and just say you know, we're gonna we're gonna further explore Orm coming up, and the first thing that pops into my mind is oh he's gonna have mommy daddy issues. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Because that's that's a Jeff Johns move is to have mommy or daddy issues. And... <laughs> so I guess Spielberg will be doing the Aquaman movie then. Right. <laughs> no, sorry, Jeff. It, it that is a very common move with his characters is they have parental issues. So, um, and Orm obviously will because that's just kind of the nature of who he is. So, just kind of you know keep it a type. And also, you know, again, I don't want to complain, but I'm also like. I, just, like to me, the, the trench again, like yeah. okay, like they weren't that. They were they're just a bunch of big monsters. Like I don't know, like bringing them back so soon after you got rid of them, it was like I don't know. It felt a little like uh, the Death Star in the Return of the Jedi. Like oh, they built another Death Star. <laughs> like, yeah, like no, I thought it was great because now they're going to actually have someone guiding and directing them. I guess, and that's someone who's you know not just any, acting animalistically. I guess. So, next question, is it Orm who brought him back? I don't know. Because is Orm the one who has the trident? We don't know. Mm-hmm. In fact, on the cover, Orm is holding a trident, but it's not that trident. Mm. Well, it's interesting. If you're reading um, uh, Swamp Thing, which I don't know if anybody is, but um, there's a there's, in the last two issues of Swamp Thing, we see uh, Arcane is in the book, and there's, there's a couple of pages where he has uh, Aquaman's trident. Oh, really? Yes. So. They're doing some inter- they're doing some interesting stuff over there in Animal Man and Swamp Thing. Yeah, tie some other things in. So, uh, so anyway, so that's Aquaman number f- that's Aquaman number fourteen. Um, they're going to do another. I think the the same team is going to be back for fifteen, and then Paul Pelt- uh, Pelletier or Pelletier uh, is taking is coming aboard as of number sixteen, I believe. Very cool. All right. Uh, so anyway, so I guess we're going to take a break. Uh, we're going to listen to this song about Aquaman that Shag sent me. Shag, uh, tell tell us about this song. Well, it's by Grandpa Griffith, and uh, the, the, it's a fun song about Aquaman. I think everyone will get a kick out of it, whether you're an Aquaman fan or not. But the thing I haven't told you yet, Rob, is this was actually sent to me secretly by one of your phone members <laughs> who refuses to share his name for fear you will yank his phone card. Ah. <laughs> so this is actually one of our listeners sent this to me, but wants to stay anonymous for fear that Rob will angry, mean, surly old Rob will yank his phone card. <laughs> Good luck with that, buddy. I have ways of finding these things out. It's in the Patriot Act. Look it up. I, I haven't narked on you, buddy. <laughs> okay. So anyway, enjoy this uh, aqua, this lament about Aquaman, and uh, we'll catch you in about three minutes or so. Life of a superhero isn't always a glamorous ride. It can be quite lonely when you're on the outside. I'm a member of the Justice League, but I feel like I don't belong. When Batman and the boys go out for beer, they never invite me along. I'm Aquaman, and I'm doing the best that I can, standing up for freedom, on the sea. I'm Aquaman, and I'm happy to leave the hand, unless you happen to be on dry land. I'm in love with Wonder Woman, but she won't give me the time of day. Every time I try to get close to her, the boy wonder gets 
in the way Where's my adulation? I paid my super dues Never seen my face in film Or on a pair of underoos I'm Aquaman And I'm doing the best that I can Standing up for freedom Under sea All right, folks, we're back from break, and now it's time for... Listeners Feedback! And we're going to do sort of an abbreviated listener feedback this time, because I've been informed that apparently somebody talked ad nauseum about Firestorm this month and ate up, like, a bunch of time in the podcast, <laughs> apparently, that we need to kind of do an abbreviated version. So what we're going to do this time... we got to complete uh, from Frank mid-show. <laughs> Right, Jack won't shut up. Because <laughs> that's what Frank sounds like. <laughs> uh, we're gonna uh, do. We're gonna cover some emails. Uh, we have. A, I do want to say you guys are, and I mean this. You are like the greatest podcast listening community in the world. Seriously, between the social medias and the emails and the interaction and the stuff you guys send us on Facebook, <laughs> you guys are the greatest. I am so glad. To be interacting with you guys and getting to know you guys. In fact, the first email is from, some, from a guy named John Gonwin that Rob's going to read for us. That He sends us stuff through Facebook all the time. It's hysterical. And I'm so glad that we've connected with you guys. And it just you guys are the best listening audience on the planet. I just want to tell you that. <laughs> and the way we express that appreciation is by doing a smaller segment of listener feedback. <laughs> <laughs> you guys aren't going to be ignored. We're going to get you in a future show. Yeah. Don't worry. Uh, and... and just know that you know we've done some recent issues that episodes that were heavy on ma- on, on listener feedback. Yeah. So you know we we did a couple that were massive listener feedback episodes. So we don't ignore we're not ignoring you guys. We just in the interest of time we're gonna 
shorten it a bit this time. Yeah. Um, so anyway, as, as Shag mentioned, we got one from John Godwin. The subject was Son Bear the Sins of the Father. He says, Hey Rob, Reg, hey Rob and Shah, I'm sending all, saving all my extra G's to the relief fund you guys are doing. I was, <laughs> I was thinking I was thinking about how they draw parallels in Aquaman. I'm not sure how much of this works pre Brightest Day or before New Fifty Two, but I find this very interesting. This ties Aquaman and Black Manta together in ways I don't think other Arch Nemesis relationship has developed. Black Manta kills Aquaman's dad. Aquaman kills Black Manta's dad. Black Manta kills Aquaman's son. Aquaman trains Black Manta's son, pretty much taking him from Manta. This is from Brightest Day and from Young Justice. The sins of the father are passed down to the son, but what happens when there is no son? It is really depressing to think that Aquaman and Black Manta are locked into a cycle with each other that has taken so much from each of them. Thanks, guys. Keep up the amazing work. Ride the flame, ride the flame and fan the wave. John Godwin. And then he ends it with dot, 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 slip, not, dot, dot. <laughs> <laughs> like, under, awesome. Undercuts this very dramatic email with the slip, Well, not, he, flipped the, he flipped the ride the wave and fan the flame backwards on purpose, too, which is Yes, fun. that's true. Uh, yeah, it's true. You do get the sense that Johns is setting this up for these two to be locked in this this struggle that will go on forever. Uh, unfortunately, like Kind of like uh, there's that line from The Dark Knight where Joker says, I think you and I are destined to do this forever, which, of course, turned out not to be the case. But that line still radiates a sort of sad, the sort of sad battle that these two cannot get out of and will be locked into forever. So, uh, you know, it is a nice relationship, something to establish and, and to go on later on. That in some ways they're more connected than even him and Orm are. Well, it it, it he really has created. Ah, he, I'm sorry, created is not the right word. He's taken the existing relationship between Ocean Master and Black Mana with Aquaman and have really ratcheted them up to a very deep emotional. Connection. So I think that's great. Yeah. All right. Our next email comes from the dastardly creative Luke Dobb. His subject line is the emotionally manipulative Rob, Bob, Bob, Bob Kelly. So I love that. Uh, email is addressed to Rob and Shag. I see now that I've been emotionally played by the manipulative <laughs> Rob Kelly of the Aquaman Shrine. Long ago, I wrote a scathing criticism of Diablo Frank's appearance on the podcast, an act for which I thought I felt genuine regret. Imagine my horror today to learn that contrition I've experienced was manufactured, nay, stoked to a raging fire by Rob's guilt trips over the many episodes hence. Suffice to say, I no longer feel contrition for my words. Rob has strummed his last note on my heartstrings. <laughs> That's great. He's like got a turn of reading. phrase, that guy. He does. To be serious, Frank's episodes is the only episode I've gone back and listened to as well. See? It's hilarious. What's that? I said, see? There you go. Yeah. It's hilarious, and I do fully recant my original letter. I look forward to seeing Diablo Frank back on the show and encourage him, you to bring him on board the Who's Who podcast from the Martian Manhunters issue. His knowledge of the DCU is astounding. P.S. I love the additions of cheering kids for the Steam Award. <laughs> Thank you. I really like that, Rob, by the way. You, I, it totally caught me off guard. <laughs> Found the, the podcast, perfect sound effect. <laughs> the podcast keeps getting better and better. Keep up the great work, Luke Dobbs, Senior Art Director at Creata. Woo. So thank, thank you for that, Rob. Uh, I'm Luke. Uh, Great letter. Uh, <laughs> any mention of Frank just makes me happy. Uh, and believe it or not, we are working on a way to bring Frank back. We've had some emails back and forth on possible subject lines. I think having him on board for the Martian Manor episode of Who's Who is a no-brainer. I think we have to. I mean, it's the only Martian Manor reference in the whole friggin' yeah. Who's Who book. <laughs> As Frank will point out to you. So, and, and actually, your email prompted me to go back and re-listen to the episode recently that we had done with Frank. I've listened to it multiple times already, but it had been a while, so I listened to it again. And that is a crazy, crazy descent into madness. Mm -hmm. 
when he just not him, but when he goes off on Martian Manhunter's origin and how insane Martian Manhunter's history has been over the years. It's crazy, and that's not Frank's fault. It's just Marsh Manners and got a nuts history. So well, I think it's, it's a fun a, episode. Well, I also think it's Frank's enthusiasm for yeah. the ridiculousness of it that made it work. You know, and so, talk and about then turn of phrase, and then this happened, and then this happened. And a turn of phrase. I mean, Frank's a funny, funny guy. Yeah. So yeah, absolutely. I, I think we've been waxing his car a bit. Let's move on. Yep, uh, we got an email from Jeremiah Parker. Hey, Shag and Rubba. Just wanted to say, keep up the great work on the podcast. Makes my day when I see the next episode is up. So last time I wrote in, I asked Shag a question. So this time it's Rob's turn. It's not Aquaman related. Wow, that actually pained me to type that. It's a subject <laughs> close to your heart. I recently just got into the Phantom Stranger, thanks to the new 52, and I am loving it. I'm wondering what your thoughts are on the new book and how it compares to some of the older comics. I will be spending many an hour reading your Phantom Stranger blog soon. P.S. Just so you're not left out, Shag, I'm loving the new take on Firestorm. I enjoyed the last story, but this is what I was waiting for since issue one. Your friend, Jeremiah Germ Parker. Um, I guess by the time, I think between Jeremiah writing this, we did the Phantom Stranger episode. So True. he can hear that, a little bit of our, our thoughts about that, that character. I like the book. I'm, I, I have my issues with kind of how they're going about it, but um, I'm thrilled that, that he's got his own series again. And that is not a character I ever would have expected they were going to dust off and give a new 52 book to. So I'm just really happy that they're doing it. So, you know, I'm interested in seeing where it's going. I think the artwork is nice, and I'm, I'm really glad that he's back in the DCU. And he's making appearances left and right now. He was in an issue of Action Comics like a month or two ago, and now he was in Justice League Dark this month. So he's popping up all over the place, which is great. So I look forward to him being in the main JLA book. That'd be fun, too. Yeah, here next month they're going to launch Prez, Teenage President, and they're going to go ahead and, and, and queue up Claw the Unconquered so for new monthly books. So that's you, how desperate they are. Are you kidding? You are kidding. No. I am kidding. Oh I'm just God. saying. I'm, I'm saying like. Well, I'm just saying how ridiculous it was to launch a Phantom Stranger series. Oh. <laughs> same kind of level. So. Oh, now come on. <laughs> uh, we got a very nice letter from Derek Crab, and I love uh, him I, as Flash Gordon in those serials. Yeah, he was really good. I like that. Speaking of films, he is actually uh, a filmmaker. He is working on something called the History of Comics on Film. Derek is new to listening to our show. He just recently discovered it, and he's been – he started with issue episode 35, now he's gone back, and he's re-listening to the earlier episodes. So definitely check out History of Comics on Film. You can find that on blip.tv. Just search under blip.tv for History of Comics on Film, and you'll find Derek's work there. So be sure to check that out. Yes, absolutely. Uh, we got an email from Ryan from Melbourne, Australia regarding Aquaman into the future. Hi, guys. Ryan, just wanted to say the podcasts are continuously terrific, and both titles are currently – Aquaman looks like he's entering into his best era since the Peter David run. I'm going to let that go. Can either of you answer me? <laughs> the Peter David run is so good. You are just a fool, Rob Kelly. Can either of you answer me the question of whether Aquaman has ever had a major crossover like Throne of Atlantis coming up? I know it's probably been said before, but it's just me, or is Thor just Aquaman of Marvel? Both are heirs into mythological thrones. Both have their half-brothers as major villains. Both wield all-powerful weapons. Both blonde. Am I crazy? Cheers. P.S. Bought myself Aquaman. Converse looks insanely awesome. Those sneakers do look great. Um, My feet are so jealous of his right now. I mean that. Now that's the stinger. Um, <laughs> uh, I agree with the thing about Thor. That, I think that's why when they did the Jalen Avengers, they kind of paired those two up fighting each other because they have those, those similarity of their setups. Uh, I never thought of that. Yeah. Uh, until I read until I read Ryan's letter, first right. time I ever occurred to me. In terms of the, I'd never thought of it before. I see what you're doing. Never even occurred to me. 
Go ahead. Wow. Uh, anyway, uh, no, they haven't really done a major crossover where he was the the, the, the the main driver of it. He's been, of course, his book, especially when D- David did it, and it was a big seller, um, he was part of other big crossovers. But no, this is probably the first time, maybe even ever, that Aquaman has been the, the, the main focus of a multi-book crossover. So it is kind of amazing. They said all thanks go to John, Jeff Johns for doing that. Um, I, yeah. I think the closest they probably got was David had a huge crossover of characters, but it all took place in the Aquaman book. And it was like right. they were all kind of minor characters, really. It was like Neptune Perkins and Aeron. And Tsunami and, and those other ones. Yeah. Power Girl, right. That was a major big deal. And then the other one would be in Justice League or JLA, I think it was Obsidian at the time. Obsidian Age, yeah. Yes, Obsidian Age. Aquaman was a huge focus of it. But it didn't cross over to Aquaman's own book. No, so it, no, it didn't. This is the only time Aquaman's own book has really played a role in a crossover. Absolutely. Yep. Yep. Uh, yes, it's, it's a great time to be an Aquaman fan, no doubt about it. Uh, we got an email from Mike Gillis, who is responding to my comment about that uh, there really can't be anybody who isn't spiritual in the DCU because there's just you know evidence everywhere of the supernatural. And Mike kind of takes issue with my my proposal there that, that, that people would be very religious in the, in the DCU. And I don't necessarily want to get into the whole email because it's, it's a, it's a heavier topic than this show can support. Um, but he makes a lot of good points. And I think maybe I was inarticulate in my point. I think I was just saying that I think a lot of, there are a lot of people who don't believe in the afterlife because there's no, to their minds, no proof of it. And I think that if you live in a world where people who are dead come back to life as a routine thing, that well, there you know, <laughs> your 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 disbelief in the afterlife would be exploded if you know. Oh look, there's my grandfather again coming out of the grave. You know, like, <laughs> I just think there it is. There's the proof. But uh, but I do thank Mike for for the uh, very well thought out response. Yeah, it really is. It made me think about a lot of things when I read it. <clears throat> We're gonna wrap up with Rod Pruitt's email, and he asked, uh, "It's about a pull list, is what is the subject line?" Hey guys. While listening to Fire and Water, I found myself wondering what your pull list looks like. If, it's, if I'm not imposing, would you mind sharing your pull list with your faithful listeners? R- fan the flame and ride the redhead. Uh, wave. <laughs> ride the redhead's the best ever. I actually, I, I was like, I, I was thinking when I read this, I was like, okay, well, I can wing that. And then I started really thinking about all the titles I got, and I'm like, crap, I'm going to sit there and go, oh, and I get, I think, some other comics. So I actually spent some time, and I had to write down all the books I got, and I'm like, Really starting to wonder if if I'm a responsible adult, the way I spend my money. So um, here we go. Here's mine in no certain order. Well, actually, I'm going to give you the – actually, there is an order. I'm going to read you the first block of books that I pick, I buy, and that every month I read them right away. These are the ones that I'm like, ooh, these are good comics. Firestorm, Aquaman, surprise, so, Flash, <laughs> Flash, Justice League Dark, Animal Man, Daredevil, Hawkeye, and Doctor Who. And I, I will say, Hawkeye, no kidding around, quite possibly the best comic of the year. The, yeah. Go pick that up, guys. I totally didn't. Who's didn't ex- writing that? Is that Matt Fraction? Matt Fraction. Matt and I've never really read a lot of Matt Fraction because I tend to live in the Mar- the DC verse and the Marvel. And the Marvel ones I hover around, I've never really intersected with Matt Fraction. So I'm going to check out some of his other stuff. But holy crap, the comic is so good. You would love the art on it, too. Hmm. Uh, I think guy's name Aja, like A-J-A, I think is his name. Okay. Oh my god, it's so good! Hawkeye is so good! <laughs> so, it's fun, too. It's really fun. And I'm not a big Hawkeye guy. I mean, I don't dislike the character, but I've never been like, I gotta go get Hawkeye. 
So anyway, then here's my sort of second tier of books that I buy that they're always sort of like on the watch list for me. Uh, Avengers and New Avengers. I've loved Bendis' run. I'm a, I'm a Bendis supporter. You guys can tell me I'm crazy, whatever. But in the last couple of years, it's just been sort of like, yeah, I'm just hanging around for this to finish. Uh, I'm going to see if the Hickman ones are any good before I decide if I'm staying on or not. So Avengers, New Avengers, Justice League is on that sort of watch list. Earth 2 and World's Finest are both sort of on that watch list. I mean, I, enjoy, I, I do enjoy Earth 2, but it's, yeah, keep my eye on it. Let's put it that way. Then some miniseries that I've been getting, the Star Trek Next Generation Doctor Who crossover, which sounds like a fan fiction nightmare. <laughs> when I first saw it solicited, I'm like, Next Gen and Doctor Who, that is just horrible. That is a fanboy's wet dream is what that is, and it's going to be trash. And I've been reading it, it's really good. Like, I, I, every page is like, this should be terrible, but it's not yet. <laughs> it's really fun. So I loved it. It was really good. I've been reading DC Comics Presents recently, or DC Universe Presents, whatever the title of that comic is. The one that's got Blue Devil. DC Universe Presents. Okay. The one that's got Blue Devil and Black Lightning. I'm digging and and really enjoying the reintroduction of Blue Devil, hoping that we get a Black and Blue series out of this. Been reading – actually, I haven't been reading this. I've been buying it. I'm going to wait till it's done before I read it. Daredevil End of Days, which is sort of – Marvel does a series of comics called The End, like Wolverine, The End, Fantastic Four, The End, which tells you like how they die, the end of their story. And they, they're doing it with Daredevil, and it's written by Bendis, and it's got all these artists and stuff. I'm going to kind of wait till I've got them all before I read it. But And I'm really looking forward to JSA Liberty Files, Whistling Skull. That's going to be so good. The previous JSA Liberty Files, two miniseries, were so freaking good. This is going to be great. Now, here's a small collection of books that haven't come out yet that I'm going to buy and hope they're going to be good. Justice League of America, Jeff Johns, David Finch. Should be good. It's got my boy in it, who's the other book I'm getting. A comic that they had to name Justice League of America's Vibe. <laughs> I, I know. How are you? I knew you were. I mean, there's no way you weren't going to get that. I know that, but the book's not even called, like, I don't know, The Wrath of Vibe. <laughs> yeah, The Wrath of Vibe. It's whatever. It's Justice League of America's Vibe. I don't think they've ever had to name something like that before. Legends for, of the Dark Vibe. Right. I mean, just to put JLA in the title just to sell it, that's just hysterical. I'm going to pick up the Doctor Who 12-issue uh, miniseries Prisoner of Time, which celebrates the 50th anniversary of Doctor Who, which I'm excited about. And then I'm going to try try Deathstroke again, starting with issue number 16. I read the first eight or nine issues of, of Deathstroke, which were phenomenal. They're really good. And then Rob Liefeld came on the book, and I dropped it like a hot turd. So, oh, oh, God. Sorry for Liefeld listeners include our fans. That's included. not what I was <laughs> – I agree with your sentiment. That's just how it was expressed. <laughs> Well, Luke Giaconetti is now yelling at his uh, at the MP3 right now. <laughs> so, well, what, what's on your pull list, Rob? Uh, boy, I feel like we should end the show with that because that was quite a list. Uh, I'm really not reading harm much much of anything now. I basically am down to four books, Aquaman, Firestorm, Justice League, and Phantom Stranger. And that is it. That is like all I read. Wow. Um, and I'm even getting very – I don't know. I mean, this show and my, I mean, you know, and considering the blog that I run, various blogs I run, I go, I will never be able to do this. But, like, I'm getting very, very discouraged in the whole notion of, like, corporate-owned comics because I don't know if you saw this article that came up yesterday, but basically Disney sent uh, Mike Kaluta and Elaine Lee a cease and desist order over their book Starstruck. 
which they did in, which they did in the eighties for Epic. And of course, for those of you who don't old enough to remember Epic, Chad, talking to you, um, Epic was <laughs> um, Epic was their creator owned line. So like the whole point of doing stuff for Epic was that, that the creators owned it. And now you've got twenty years later, Disney going, "Hey, we might own Starstruck." So what do you guys do? now? It's been updated since the, the, the co-creator Elaine Lee update and said, "No, everything is fine. We dug out the paperwork and it proved that you know we own Starstruck, or whatever." But basically, it was just Disney trying to like scare these people into like, "Hey, you you should stop publishing what you're publishing because we I think we own it." Yeah. And I'm just getting really tired of this. I'm really getting really tired of just. These companies that are like, we own everything. Every time, you know, you ever sneezed in the direction of our company, we own that. And so I am starting to kind of get like more like to the point where I'm only going to read a comic if it's creator owned. And, and I'll never be able to do that entirely because, like I said, I, we have the Shrine and I have the Phantom Stranger blog. I mean, I'm just too immersed in this world for too long to ever fully give it up. Also, at the same time, um, there was a series that Jimmy Palmiotti was, was putting out called Creator Owned Heroes. Yeah, which is an anthology book, and I it was one of those books that every time I saw it on the stands, I didn't pick it up for whatever reason. I have a very limited comics budget, so I was just like, well, I don't know if I'm going to like it, so I skipped over it. But I I kept meaning to get it. I kept saying, you know, at some point I'll I'll get it. And now I find out that, that it's been canceled. That after the seventh issue, it's done because because of sales. And I feel like, oh man, you know, because I looked through it, I had some really talented people in there. Your fault. And it is my fault. It absolutely is entirely my fault. So I, you know, and of course, having my own creator-owned comics project, I have a greater appreciation maybe for when you have your own thing and you're just trying to get it out there, and it's so hard. It's so hard to get it noticed. So I, I, I'm kind of looking at it like if I'm going to spend, if I have a, a meager amount of comic uh, money to spend on comics, I think I'm really going to just start gravitating towards create our own stuff and almost start from there. Now, of course, if a book sucks, it sucks. And it doesn't matter whether it's owned by creative people, you know, whether it's owned by the creators or not. But I think I am starting to just feel like, you know, I, I that, that's my baseline is like, eh, if it's got a corporate logo on it, I think I'm going to pass it by. But, you know, that is where, that's just sort of where I'm feeling at this moment as we're recording the show. Like I said, I'll never, I'll never give up Aquaman. I know as long as I live, I'll never give up reading Aquaman. I, I have sort of a middle ground to that, just to follow up, is that I've almost walked away from collecting all, all single-issue comics other than Aquaman and Firestorm because my, my love of trades has grown by leaps and bounds. Mm-hmm. Like I, I love picking up old issues and trades, and I'm finding my real passion. I'm finding real passion for the Bronze Age right now, so... I can. I feel your pain, man. Now, I'm. I'm not veering towards creator own, but I am veering towards the older stuff. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, maybe I'll feel differently in a week, and it's it just because this this article popped up yesterday, and we're recording it. You know, we're this we're doing this recording the day after that. But I just kind of felt like so discouraged when I saw that. I'm like, oh, Disney, really, really? They went after, they went after the guy who uh, created uh, Ghost Rider. Yeah, too, Gary Frederick. Yeah, that was. Yeah. yeah, we did that whole thing on Facebook for him. So you know, like I said, it, it, and then I'm not. I'm not. Trying to suggest anybody that, that does something different is wrong. I'm just, I'm just, you know, it's my own personal feeling. I just, and I do feel bad that I never bought the creator-owned heroes book because it had some really cool people in it. And now I'm going to go dig up those back issues, which of course won't do anything for those guys. So uh, my apologies because uh, I really should have read that book, but I didn't, and so now I understand what's going on. It's your fault that got canceled. It's also your fault Quest Probe got canceled. You didn't buy that either. <laughs> Every comic book ever in history that was canceled is my fault. Yep, Adventures of Bob Hope, 
They're all, they're all, it's all my fault. So. Even the ones before you were Even born. the ones before I was born. So, uh, okay. So anyway, <laughs> my dog is about to explode, so we're going to wrap up the show. Uh, <laughs> where can we find Firestorm? Uh, you can find Firestorm Fan at FirestormFan.com. You can find me on Facebook, Twitter, Google+, and Tumblr. Where can they find Aquaman Shrine? AquamanShrine.com, uh, Facebook, Twitter, occasionally Google+, don't laugh. You can Fire. also send us an email. You can send us an email at firewaterpodcast.conquest.net, and you can, of course, follow our Tumblr, fireandwaterpodcast.tumblr.com. Definitely check out the Tumblr, folks. Good stuff out there. All right, folks, until next time, fan the flame and ride the wave. All right, thanks, guys. Aquaman and Firestorm fighting crime together. Soak them down or burn them up. No one does it better. Whenever you find trouble, they'll always be there to catch them in a bubble or even torch their hair. Stand for truth and justice and see on land and air. Firestorm and Aquaman, they make a super pair. Aquaman and Firestorm, super friends forever. Yeah! I don't know, Batman. Are you sure I have to wear this? Your body is now a living nuclear reactor. The suit will contain any residual radiation you are emitting. Who cares about the uniform? Ask him what he's got in the playbook to give me my body back. Well, maybe if you stop interrupting me. I was just, um, talking to the guy inside my head, who I'm guessing you can't hear, can you? No.